This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, an American story, written and narrated by New York Times best-selling ghostwriter Nancy French, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey folks, Dr. Jamar Tisby here, and you never quite know what racist incident is going to get the internet all riled up again. This time, it had to do with the women's championship in the NCAA college basketball tournament. So by now, you've probably seen some coverage of this. It was trending all over social media, but just to give you a quick recap, this is the Women's College Basketball Championship. It was between Iowa and LSU, and each of them have their star players. For Iowa, it's a woman named Caitlin Clark, and she's white. And for LSU, it's a woman named Angel Reese, who is black. Now, both of these players are absolutely lights out outstanding player just to give you some stats caitlin clark averaged 27.7 points per game in addition to 8.6 assists 7.2 rebounds and then in the ncaa tournament in consecutive games she scored 31 points 41 points and 41 points she finished with a total of 191 points which is the most of any college basketball player in a single NCAA tournament, men or women. Absolutely lights out, outstanding player. Angel Reese is also a fabulous player. She at she's six six feet three inches tall. She averaged 23.3 points per game in addition to 15.6 rebounds and 1.6 blocks per game. Uh, I think she was also named outstanding player of the finals game. And off the court, she's killing the game too. So you may be familiar, the NCAA just instituted a new rule for this school year where college players can get paid for the use of their name, image, and likeness, or NIL, name, image, and likeness. Angel Reese has the most NIL deals of any college basketball player male or female. She's got 17 different deals, and she ain't worried about what she's saying about her because she rakes in $392,000 per year from these different deals. She is also known as Bayou Barbie because she comes to the court with her edges uh, all done, her makeup, all of this, eyelashes, she takes pride in her appearance, and the way she explains it is if you look good, you play good kind of a thing. So both of them, Caitlin Clark, white, Iowa, and Angel Reese, black, LSU, phenomenal players playing at the top of their game, playing in the championship game. LSU ends up winning. Toward the end of the game, when they're already up and it's pretty clearly in the bag, what got people so mad? was that Angel Reese did the you-can't-see-me gesture. You know, that's where you wave your hand in front of your face. The wrestler John Cena popularized it for a lot of people. And it's it's a taunt. It's trash-talking. And people saw this, saw how much LSU was ahead, 
saw that angel did this toward Caitlin Reese, and they said it was classless, it was bad sportsmanship, she should be ashamed of herself, all of this stuff. Here's the catch. Caitlin Clark had done the exact same thing just a couple of nights ago in a different basketball game. And Caitlin Clark didn't get nearly, if any, of the pushback that Angel Reese got for that same you-can't-see-me gesture. What's the difference? Like I said, Angel is black, Caitlin is white. Now, as we think about this, and this is what Caitlin, or, or, or what um, Angel said right after as to why she did it. She said, Caitlin Clark is a hell of a player, but I don't take disrespect lightly. She disrespected her LSU teammate, Alex Morris, and I wanted to pick her pocket. But I had a moment at the end of her game. I was in my bag. I was in my moment. And so she's saying just in that moment, I already had a bone to pick with her because uh she disrespected a teammate of mine. So when we were dominating the game, that's when that gesture came out. Uh, Angel Reese also pointed to her ring finger as in we're going to get that championship ring. So all of that was context. Now, why? Again, like I said, you can never quite predict what racist incident is going to get the Internet all up in arms. Why this incident? Why did this particular gesture and event cause nonstop talking and coverage and articles since it occurred. Here's here's why, I think. Number one, the comparability factor. These were absolutely identical incidents. There was no translation that you had to do between one player and another, between black and white. So like I said, Caitlin, who's white, had done the exact same gesture in the round of the Elite Eight when they were up. And she did this, you can't see me gesture. And again, none of the pushback that Angel Reese received. And so even right now, you can look online and you'll see them. You'll see these pictures of them side by side in the picture. They've they've spliced them together showing Caitlin doing it and showing Angel doing it just to illustrate visually, pictorially, photographically that it's the exact same thing, but a drastically different response. So I think the comparability of these gestures is one of the things that made it highly visible and highly controversial. Number two is it was very visible. And I don't just mean the gesture, I mean the game. This whole NCAA tournament has broken records for viewership, um, not only for women, but for men. So in other words, people were paying attention to this whole tournament and they tuned in by the millions for the championship game. So it was already highly visible. There were already eyes on this thing. And then, of course, it's 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 part of a longer series and it's two very hyped teams. So the comparability, but also the visibility. And lastly, this is literally a black and white incident. It is literally black and white, racially speaking, I think ethically <laughs> as well. Um, but like Caitlin Clark, you couldn't get a more sort of like 
Midwestern white girl next door kind of an image, just just phenotypically, just visually on the court. She's aggressive. She's competitive. She's all of these things, right? But the way she looks gives that, conveys this aesthetic, right? And then the way Angel Reese looks, like I said, she takes pride in her appearance. She has makeup. She has lashes. She's got edges. She's got the hair. All of it, right? And she's tall and she's black. All of that sets up a literally black and white contrast, not only to how they look, but how people respond to them. So I think for all of those reasons, it's one of these incidents that has gained a lot more visibility than we're to than we're used to seeing with many other racist incidents. Now, just to take you again to recap, how are these players processing it? Angel is basically saying, I said what I said. <laughs> like she is not backing down at all in the midst of any of this bash- backlash. And honestly, she's going to use this to her advantage. She's clearly a businesswoman. She's going to get some more name image likeness deals out of this. And she's going to be laughing all the way to the bank, all the way to fame, all the way to uh, a, a professional contract while everybody else is just mad on social media. Here's what Angel said. She said, all year I was critiqued for who I was. I don't fit the narrative, Reese said. I don't fit the box that y'all want me to be in. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it and y'all don't say nothing, you know, and she went on to say, this is on Twitter. uh, So this is for the girls that look like me. For those that want to speak up for what they believe in. It's unapologetically you. And that's what I did it for tonight. It was bigger than me tonight. And Twitter is going to go into a rage every time. Very wise words for a very young lady. And what Caitlin said, I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands and be grateful that my team was in that position. All the credit in the world to LSU. They were tremendous. They deserve it. They had a tremendous season. So at least from her public comments, sounds like Caitlin understands. She understands the competitiveness, the trash talking, the gesture. She didn't take it personally. She didn't even realize what was going on in the moment. That's what she said publicly. Now, I just want to break it down in terms of the broader racial justice landscape. Now, I ain't going to keep you, but I thought of two, at least two parallels that maybe can help us frame this thing. First of all, is gun rights and the Second Amendment thoughts around the Second Amendment, right? So think about the contrast to how people view guns and gun control when it is white people holding the guns versus black people holding the guns. When it's white people holding the guns, it's all about the Second Amendment. It's also about it's always about the right to bear arms. It's it's these flags and these banners you see with an AR-15 pictured on it, and it says, come and take it as the caption, right? It is the idea that we have the right to arm ourselves against government, against tyranny, and there is no, there are no limits on our right or our ability to own guns, even when children are being slaughtered 
in school shooting after school shooting after school shooting. And as I record this, the latest one in Nashville, Tennessee, at at this this Covenant school, children murdered, and the adults at the school caring for them murdered for these assault rifles, right? These semi-automatic weapons versus when black people are holding the guns. Then it's all gun control, crime is on the rise, arrest them. It is a completely different perspective on gun rights, depending on who is holding the guns. When the Black Panthers exercised their constitutional right to bear arms in the 1960s and 70s, you didn't see the far-right white folks saying, yes, and that's their right. Go ahead. Power to the people. Black power, right? No, they weren't saying that. Matter of fact, in California, where the Black Panthers um, had their first chapter up in Oakland, they, they made laws expressly against bearing arms in public only when they saw Black people holding the guns in public. Now, folks tend not to say this part out loud, that it's different. It's a double standard when Black people are holding guns versus white people. But we absolutely know that is the case based on what people do say and how they do react in different situations where people are holding guns, but the color of that hand is different. Here's another parallel. The other parallel are protests. How do people react to Black Lives Matter protests? And how did they react to the January 6th attempted insurrection? Now, you will have some people looking at the Black Lives Matter protests because it's under that banner, Black Lives Matter. And they will look at the composition of these groups, often largely Black, but not rarely. Very mixed groups of black people, white people, and people of other races and ethnicities, and some cases of even these marches under the banner of Black Lives Matter being majority white in terms of the participants. But again, because it's being done in the name of Black Lives Matter, it's being done in the name of anti-black police brutality, it's being done in the name of justice and equity for black people. Oh, these are riots. All they're concerned about is stealing and looting and messing up people's private property. We need to confront it with the full force of the law, including a police force that looks more like a military with tanks and batons and shields and riot gear. That's how you respond to black protest in this country, apparently. But when it's white people, literally storming the nation's capital. The image that still gets me to this day is a white man walking the halls of Congress holding a Confederate flag because that's not something that even happened during the Civil War when the Confederacy was in existence politically and militarily, right? And yet it happened on January 6th. And now... A, a, a historian and a commentator called this the new lost cause. Of course, the old lost cause is the way 
Southerners, white Southerners, attempted to essentially rewrite the narrative of the Civil War as this noble, romanticized endeavor just to preserve the way of life of the South with almost no mention of slavery and certainly no mention of the misery that it caused Black people. As a matter of fact, part of the lost cause was saying Black people were happier in these times, right? So so that's the old lost cause. The new lost causes attempt to rewrite the definition and the goals of the January 6th attempted insurrection. And so Trump, who's under indictment, but still on a campaign tour trying to get elected, re-elected president, he shows this highly selective edited clip of January 6th and tries to make the point, oh, it was peaceful. It was folks standing up for their constitutional rights. We should support these patriots glorifying the whole thing, even though it was deadly and it was unconstitutional, anti-democratic and authoritarian in any way you want to slice it. But what's the difference between Black Lives Matter protesters and the January 6th protesters? The Black Lives Matter protesters are largely Black folks and people of color. And even when they're white, if they're protesting in the name of Black lives, that gets treated one way. The January 6th insurrection was overwhelmingly white people, overwhelmingly Republican at that, and strong notes of white Christian nationalism. And the only difference is that mob is white. Even as they tried to do something that has never been done in the history of this country, which is violently overthrow Congress, violently try to overturn the results of a lawful election. And true enough, there are some people and lots of you listening who would say that was a riot and mob violence and unconstitutional and unethical and indefensible. But there are plenty of people who are saying that those folks on January 6th were true Americans and true patriots, and it's been way overblown. And then they'll turn around, these same folks will turn around and say that the Black Lives Matter protests, which were trying to protest the, the murder of George Floyd, where a white officer had his knee on the neck of this man, slowly killing him. Ahmaud Arbery, who was lynched, essentially, for the crime of being in a white neighborhood and being Black. And then, of course, Breonna Taylor. As I record this, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, where the murder of Breonna Taylor happened from an unlawful warrant for a no-knock home invasion. And she was shot and killed in her own home in the dead of night. That's what Black Lives Matter was protesting. January 6th was protesting the results of a lawful election that ousted Donald Trump as president. So all of this comes back to two basketball players, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. The exact same gesture, exact same competitiveness, bravado. And by the way, there's a gender component here. If men do stuff like this, they're applauded. They're celebrated. They're, they're seen as aggressive, as leaders, as uh, uncompromising in their quest to win. But for women, it's unseemly, it's unladylike, it's too mannish, too masculine. 
so they're they're facing not just a double standard, but a triple standard Angel Reese and Black women are facing of being considered too masculine and too competitive for what women, quote unquote, should be. And at the same time, also facing the issue of racism. And here's the bottom line. When it is Black people or darker skinned people, the presumption is threat. The presumption is threat, violence, and aggression. When it's white people and lighter skinned people doing the exact same thing, it is excused. Maybe it's even celebrated, but it's certainly not attacked or vilified in nearly the same way or to nearly the same degree as people do it when it's black folks. So what can we do? Well, anytime folks are up in arms about something a black person did, ask yourself, what if a white person did the same thing? Or since it probably has happened, you can ask yourself and even do some research. How did people respond when a white person did something similar or the exact same thing? Whether that's sports or in politics, whether it's something they said or something they did, you will find very quickly a double standard when you ask that question. Okay, we're upset about what this black person did. What if a white person did the same thing? Even if it's not ethical. I mean, in this instant with these basketball players, we're talking about a taunt. You know, it's nothing illegal. It's nothing violent or dangerous in that sense, right? But what if it is something that has much more gravity, that deserves some sort of consequence or penalty? It deserves asking, how do we respond when the person is black? How do we respond when the person is white? And we see this in the criminal justice system, don't we? Where there can be the exact same crime, the exact same nature of an offense, but the penalties in terms of prison time, uh, fines, whatever it might be, tend to be much harsher when it's black people or other people of color versus when it's someone white. So always ask yourself, how would we respond in this situation if the person was white versus if they're black? So to sum it up, to two great competitors, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, amazing tournament. And keep talking that talk. Keep talking that trash. It's part of the sport. Keep waving those hands. And particularly to Angel Reese and her LSU teammates, congratulations on getting that ring. They see you now. This episode was brought to you in part by the Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.